0: Welcome to all of you, all of our churches today. As we're finishing up our series we've been in for the last three weeks called Soundtracks. And if you haven't been with us, I absolutely encourage you to go online and uh, you can go to our app or our website and you can watch or listen there. Especially because the last two weeks, Gavin and Lee Jenkins did such a great job of speaking about some of the soundtracks that we struggle with and how we can have victory over those in our lives. So I really encourage you to go back and watch those uh, talks. Um, uh, we've done in the previous three weeks for this. Now, one of the things I want you to know before we jump into today's conversation, and that is this, every fourth Sunday of the month, we give you the opportunity to go above and beyond in being generous and to show our communities that we are for them by giving and sometimes even serving. So what we call that every fourth Sunday is our $4 for others. Now, $4 doesn't seem like much to most of you. In fact, some of you said, well, $4 is not a whole lot. I understand it's like a cup of coffee for most of you. But together, when we all do this individually, not as couples and not as families, but as every individual gives $4, it adds up to a great blessing for our communities. It's just absolutely phenomenal what you guys have done over this year. In fact, we're going to celebrate this in, uh, in, uh, in uh, December of all the impact that you have made through doing this every fourth Sunday. So where is the $4 that you're gonna give this month gonna go? Well, we're gonna bless foster children this month. We're gonna be giving to Christmas for foster children at Real Life Camp at Blue Springs. They hold a special um, camp every year around Christmas for over 300 foster children from our region and also from our state. And um, they are making a huge impact every year in those children's lives and you've helped helped with that every year. And so um, how you can give is there was an envelope on the chair when you came in and you entered the auditorium. You can put $4 in that envelope and drop it in the giving boxes on your way out of your auditorium today. Or you can scan the QR code that was on that envelope and um, you can give through that or you can go to our app and give digitally as well. And I would encourage you to go ahead and do that sometime before you walk out of the building today. But this month, In the spirit of Christmas, we have a serving opportunity for you as well. In your lobby today, all of your churches, you're gonna find gingerbread tags. See, each tag, it represents a gift that ranges somewhere between $5 and $50 so that you can purchase a gift for a foster child from our communities. And so if you choose to purchase a gift, uh, what we'd ask you to do is to bring that back to your campus that you're at this morning before December the 12th. Um, So when you think about the combination of giving to Christmas at Real Life Camp, which is at Blue Springs, um, and then the gingerbread tags, you have a great opportunity to bless children who could use a special touch of love in this season. So I just want to thank you as a church for helping us show children and teenagers even as well that God is for them by the way that we as a church Or for them. And I I just want to thank you in advance. I cannot wait to celebrate with you next month what your giving does for these children. It's absolutely going to be amazing. Always a wonderful time of celebration. So if you got something to take notes on, you got your Bibles in front of you, go ahead and grab those. And uh, to start out today's conversation, I want to remind you of a statement that I read several months ago in a book entitled Soundtracks. And if you haven't read that book, I would encourage you to read it. It's one of the best ones on managing your thought processes and, and aligning them with what God would have us to think when he says, every, take every thought into captivity under the obedience of Jesus Christ. So um, several months ago, I read the book. And by the way, John A. Cuff is not paying me anything to say it. I just think it's that good a book. So here's a statement that I read that I want to kind of introduce again to you. And that is this, your thoughts are internal soundtracks. Don't miss this. Your thoughts are internal soundtracks that you listen to even more than your favorite song or any other thing that you kind of think about often. See what what this statement really is saying is your mind is a constant flow or a constant stream of thoughts. And what those thoughts do that you have, they determine your emotions, they determine your feelings, they determine your attitudes, they determine your actions. And don't miss this, they determine all of your reactions. See, we think it is that person in our life or those people in our life. We think it's this situation that I'm in. We think it's this circumstance I'm in. So we blame our circumstances. We blame these people for why we feel the way that we do and why we react the way that we do When in all reality, the truth is everything you do, everything that you feel is a result of what you choose to think about that situation more than what happens to you or what is happening around you. In fact, whenever you start blaming someone else or your circumstance for how you're feeling or how you're reacting, you have given up the control of your life to something else. And you've just lost control of your life. So what you choose to think, it absolutely matters. So what we think, it shapes how we see the world, how we see our world, and it shapes who we are more than any person or any situation in our life. I cannot say that emphatically enough. I wish I had learned this so many years earlier than when I did. And so what this means for us, most of our life's battles are won or lost in our mind. In other words, you could say it this way, your thoughts, not the people in your life, not the circumstances that you're dealing with, but your thoughts will determine the direction and the quality of our life. The quality of your life is determined by your thoughts. Proverbs says that in multiple places. The Apostle Paul writes about this in multiple places. Or another way that you could say this is that is everything of any significance that happens in your life will be the product of what you choose to think. Because the reality is we determine the depth, the degree, and the impact of what we will become and what our life will be like by what we choose to think. It's why you can put two people in the same circumstance and one person loves it and the other person hates it. It's why you can put two people in the same relationship with another person and one person thinks they are amazing and the other person despises them. Because what I choose to think determines the direction and the quality of my life. Now, to help us understand that, when you came in today, there was a song that was printed and laying on your chair. And some of you saw this when you came in and you thought, hmm, I don't know how to sing by shape notes or anything like that. But what we're going to do today at all of our campuses is um, all of our campus pastors are going to come up and they're going to lead you in this song. That's right, Dustin and Phil. I'm teasing. No, they're not either. Not going to happen. We're not even going to sing. We're not going to try to sing this song. But the title of this song is Now Thank We All Our God. And that's very important because some of you have been wondering, like, what's this song song all about? Well, on Thursday of this past week, we paused to give thanks and express gratitude to God for his many blessings to us, right? And if you grew up in church world like I did, this hymn was often sung as one of the anthems of Thanksgiving at a Thanksgiving service. Because we used to have Thanksgiving service. Every Thanksgiving morning, we would have a Thanksgiving service. So let me give you a little bit of background on this hymn. This hymn was written by a pastor in 1636. Now, for many of you, the year 1636 may not mean a whole lot to you, but 1636 would have been about two-thirds of the way through what was known as the Thirty-Year War in Europe. And the 30-year war had happened between 1618 and 1646. And this song was written in 1636, which means there was 12 more years of death and desolation from this war. In fact, the total number of people that died from this war was somewhere between 6 and 8 million people. But here's the thing you need to understand. Of the 6 to 8 million people, historians estimate that number, only about 500,000 were killed in battle. The other 6 or 7 million people that died, they died from famine, disease, and hardship. Now, I want you to kind of glance over this hymn, and I want you to notice if there are any phrases of desperation despair or despondency and when you look over this hymn you're only going to find about two he says in one place he says um, and guide us when perplexed and free us from all ills in this world and the next that's about the only Despondency or despair that you see in this whole anthem of Thanksgiving. And this guy, at one point in this war, don't miss what his circumstance was. At one point in this war, he was the only pastor left in his town because the others had all died from disease or famine or hardship. And he was doing funeral services for anywhere from 30 to 50 people a day, including one for his wife. And two thirds of the way, into this time of desolation and disease and famine and hardship. I mean, think about this, doing 30 to 50 funerals a day. What kind of thoughts or what kind of despair do you think a person would have? This guy wrote this song as a prayer for himself and his children, and because he was a pastor and a musician, then he turned this into a song for his church. So here's my question. How do you have such a resilient heart that when you endure chaos and loss from a war, in fact, you sit down about two-thirds of the way through the war with not knowing when the end is going to be, and he's got 12 more years of hardship, death, famine, and destruction. And when you write, you write words that say like this, and who from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. And every time I read that, I get emotional because I think, man, I have a bad day at work. Somebody doesn't say something nice to me. My spouse doesn't do something for me that I think they should. You know, somebody in that I work with don't do, I think they should, like they should. You know, it's like somebody pulls out in front of you and, and we just lose it. And here's a guy who lost his wife doing 30 to 50 funerals a day. I mean, death and destruction around him for 30 years. And he writes this incredible song of anthem of praise and thanksgiving to God. So here's my question. How do you have such a resilient heart when you've endured that kind of chaos and loss from a war? How do you create such life-giving soundtracks? How does that happen out of such desperate circumstances and situations? I mean, this song, especially the story of this song, it's just such a great reminder that we... We, we have so much work to do in understanding that our thoughts determine the direction and the quality of our life. Let's put that up again. Your thoughts, not your circumstances, not the people around you, they will determine the direction and the quality of your life. So your thoughts will, not the person sitting beside you, not the person sitting in front of you, not the person that you work with, none of those things. Your thoughts determine the direction and the quality of your life. And this song is a great example that our complaining and our whining because of little inconveniences mean we're listening to the wrong thoughts and the wrong soundtracks. In fact, one of the things that I have been thinking about for the last six, eight months, I've been reflecting on this song and saying, okay, God, I want to make... I want to be intentional about the soundtracks that I choose to play. So much so that God would so sanctify my heart and so purify my soul that no matter what happens to me or what happens around me, the only words that I have to express my feelings and my thoughts about the situation, if somebody asked me, how was your day? I could say like the psalmist David and say, oh, my heart is filled with overwhelming joy because God knows the anguish of my soul. That the Spirit of God would flow so powerfully through my life as I tap deeper and deeper into my union with Jesus that it would only bring from this fresh supply of Jesus, this Overwhelming abundance of praise and adoration for the good things that I have in my life. Because it is when you can live through hardship and give God praise and thanksgiving that you know that you're listening to the right soundtrack and you know that you're living a resilient life. Now, here's what I know about me I have a long way to go, but it's my heart's prayer and my heart's desire. And it's been my prayer and my desire for you. If there's anything I have prayed for you as a church for the last six to nine months is that we would take every thought into captivity and just say, God, I understand it's not this person. It's not this person. It's not this group of people. It's not this situation. It's not that situation. It's none of that. It's my thoughts that determine whether I have resilience in my life or not. It's why the apostle Paul said in Romans 12, he says, you need to renew your mind That's why he said you need to take every thought into captivity unto the obedience of Jesus so that you're living this resilient life and you can handle hardship and still have that shock absorber for the difficulties of life. And some of you might be going, what do you mean by resilient? What do you mean by a resilient life? Let me give you a definition. Follow along here. Resilience is the process and outcome of quickly and successfully adapting to difficult or challenging life experiences, especially those mental, emotional, and behavioral flexibility and adjustments to external and internal demands. And the question is this How do you do this? How do you get to the place? where your heart, your soul, and mind can quickly recover, quickly spring back spiritually, emotionally, to those external and internal demands that are difficult or challenging? How do you get to that kind of place? So that the soundtracks that we play are intentionally so focused on Jesus that no matter how difficult our life What comes out of our hearts and what comes out of our mouths is words of gratitude and thanksgiving and praise. Now, if you were with us in week one of this series, you know that we looked at the words of the psalmist David in Psalm chapter one because he kind of gives us this secret of being resilient. In fact, we find this in Psalm chapter one. Notice what he says in verse one and two. He says these words, blessed is the person who meditates on God's word day and night. Now, I told you that a great translation of this word blessed is, oh, the happiness. It's like, oh, how happy is the person. Now, the thing that I told you in our first week of this is the happiness is the result of a decision. First, the decision of what soundtracks I'm going to play, and then the result of joy and happiness. So according to David, happiness and joy are primarily determined by the soundtracks that you play in your mind. And he said, if you do this, if you choose, if you make this decision, and it has to be an intentional decision, we're going to see that today. If you make this decision, he says, here's what you'll become. If you choose to meditate on God's word day and night, he says this. He says, you will be like a tree planted, that's very key, we're gonna come back to that in a moment, by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. So what he's saying by planted and being fruitful is this, he says, if you will meditate on God's word, No matter the people around you, no matter the circumstance that you find yourself in, you will find yourself to be stable and you will be fruitful. See, the lack of stability in your life, the lack of fruitfulness in your life has nothing to do with your circumstance or your situation or the people around you. It has everything to do with the soundtracks that you play in your mind. Your soundtracks are the limiter on your life, not the people or the circumstances around you. And this is why most people are just surviving in life right now. It's why most people are not thriving in life right now. It's why most people feel so unstable and why people are so worried about not being fruitful in their life because they've not decided to make God's word the soundtrack that they play day and night in their mind. Know what they're doing is they're looking on social media. They're looking to other people. I mean, they're asking all these people with these different advices, these, these the different you know questions like, hey, what do you think about this? Or what do you think I should do here? What do you think I do? And here's here's the thing. It's one thing to have godly counselors in your life, but what you'll discover is if you have a godly counselor, you only have one or two mentors in in those areas of your life. But what I watch most people do, they got five or six people they're talking to and they're asking all these things and they're trying to listen to all these different soundtracks that people are giving them. But what the psalmist is saying is, if you don't make the decision to let your roots go down deep and deep into God's word, you're not going to be stable, and you're not going to be fruitful. So today, I want to, see, I want to show you from another Psalm, Psalm 119. So if you got your Bibles, I encourage you to go to Psalm 119. The powerful impact that meditating on God's Word, making it the soundtrack for your life, making God's Word the source of, of your life, what it can do for your life. See, here's the thing stable and fruitful are amazing benefits. I mean, like all of our campuses, if you, if you would love to have a life that was always stable and always fruitful, just raise your hands, right? I mean, isn't that all of us? We'd we love to have that. But those are not the only benefits of making God's word the soundtrack for my life. Look at me with me at Psalms 119, beginning in verse 97. Verse 97. Here's what the psalmist writes, beginning in verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. Now, I don't want you to miss how the psalmist talks about God's word. He, he uses the word love to describe his relationship or express his relationship with God's word. And this is a this is very relational language to speak about God's word, isn't it? See, for most of us, that's a big mental shift about Scripture. I mean, thinking in relational terms about Scripture is so different than how most of us have thought about God's Word. But here's the reality. Relational is a very appropriate way to think about Scripture, and here's why. God's word is relational communication from God. In fact, another way that God shows us that is he says in John chapter one, he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, right? And the word became flesh and dwell among us. So God is all about expressing himself to us. So when we think about God's word, it's not just static words on a page, or it's not just this list of rigid rules from this cosmic killjoy, No, it's God's thoughts and best plans for humankind and God's best intention for human life. That's what his word is. So he says, oh, how I love your law, how I love your word, because the psalmist is thinking about this in terms of his relationship with God. It's all about God speaking into my life, as we're going to see through this talk. Now, notice the next, next part of this verse. He says, oh, I love your law. I meditate on it day, all day long. So again, the writer says, I have decided that God's word is going to be my soundtrack day and night. And remember we told you in week one of this, this whole idea of meditation in the Hebrew is not unlike the concept of background music, a constant background noise. So what he's saying is I choose to feed my heart and my mind from the word of God day and night. Now, the other thing about meditating on God's word day and night, it, it implies discipline. It implies a lot of discipline. It means I have to turn down all these other soundtracks that the world is trying to blow at me to help me under, or, or override what God would say to me. And I have to come over here and I have to turn up this one soundtrack, the soundtrack of God's word. But here's what I want you to notice. I want you to notice some more benefits if we do this, and it's benefits that all of us want in our life. Not only do we want to be stable and fruitful, but notice this beginning in verse 98. He says, your commands are always with me. Now, why is God's commands always with me? Literally, your word is always with me. In other words, no matter what situation I'm in, no matter what circumstance I'm in, I have wisdom inside and understanding, as we're going to see, because your word is always with me. Why? Because I've meditated on it. As a result, I've internalized it, and they become the soundtrack of my mind. And when I choose to do that, notice what he says. They make me wiser than my enemies. So what's the first benefit that he says as a result of making God's word the primary soundtrack of our life? It's wisdom. And if there was anything any of us ever need in life in this season, it's what? It's wisdom. And he says, when we meditate on God's word, he said, it makes us wise. And when he says, it makes me wiser than my enemies, he's saying, it makes me wiser than the difficult things that could take me out in life. It makes me wise in those relational difficulties. It makes me wise in those circumstantial difficulties. He says, it makes me wiser than anything that could take me out in my life. But that's not all he says it does for us. Notice verse 99. He says, I have more insight than all my teachers so why does David say he has more insight than those who have been specifically trained in an area so they could teach it? Well, here's why he says that. He says, for I meditate on your statutes. Literally, he's saying, I, I'm, I'm meditating. That's my soundtrack. And he said, because of that, I have wisdom and I have insight. So what he's saying is, you can't just listen to a sermon. You can't just show up in a room. You can't just read a book. You can't just go to a small group Bible study. You can't depend on just circumstances to help you hear from God. No, what he's saying is you have to spend time and focus thinking daily on a passage of Scripture from God's Word in order to understand how to apply it in your life. In fact, that's what meditating on God's Word is. You can write this definition down. Meditating on God's Word is focused thinking on a passage or a portion of God's Word over a period of time in order to understand or how to apply it better in my life. And some of you go, I don't know if I can meditate on God's Word. Let me just tell you, if you ever overthink anything, overthinking is a form of negative meditation. If you ever worry about anything, Worry is a form of negative, negative meditation. It's focused thinking. When you're worried about something, you have focused thinking. So what the psalmist is saying is we need to quit focusing on worldly things, as he talked about in Psalms 1 verse 1, that's a, the path of the sinner or the seed of the scornful. He's saying, no, what you got to do is you got to focus on God's word. And when you do that, as we're going to see in just a moment, In your times of meditation, your heavenly father begins to speak to you up close and personal. But notice what else happens before we get to that part. He says this, he says, I have more understanding than the elders for I obey your precepts. And the word elders here has the idea of people that are older than me that have more life experience. So the psalmist says, I have more understanding than they do. And why is that true? Because God's word gives us understanding or gives us more understanding than life experience can give us because we're tapping into God's eternal wisdom. So here's what the writer is saying. He's saying, because I have made God's word the soundtrack of my life, he says, God has taught me personally, so personally, and he's communicated three things to me. He's communicated wisdom, insight, and understanding. And these three things, wisdom, insight, and understanding, here's what I can tell you they form the basis and the foundation for all the decisions that you will need to make in life. In other words, you can make wise decisions in life and you can know that they're in God's will because you're hearing from God daily because you're meditating on his word day and night. So meditating on God's word, it gives you the foundation that you need to have wisdom and insight and understanding in your life. And because of wisdom, insight, and understanding, this is what the psalmist says in Psalm 101. Notice what he says. He says, I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. Now, we're going to skip down to verse 104, and we'll come back to 102 in just a moment. Notice what he says. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. So what is the author saying here? The author of the psalm is saying because of wisdom, insight, and understanding, he says that I gain from God's word. He says, I hate every wrong path. Why does he hate every wrong path? Because he has such incredible insight, understanding, and wisdom that he can see the outcome of his choices because the psalmist knows that every path that you take has a predetermined outcome. And the more insight, wisdom, and understanding that you have, the more you can see the outcome of every decision that you're going to make. So he could see the outcome of a decision. He could see the end of the path before he ever made the choice because he had the wisdom, the insight, and the understanding that God had given him. So he says this, when you have wisdom, when you have insight, and when you have understanding from your heavenly father, you won't be so easily deceived because you will see the path that that temptation is about to take you on and And you'll see, hey, this is going to be the outcome, and it's so much easier to say no to that temptation to that wrong path. In fact, I don't want you to miss this. There are several ways to gain wisdom, insight, and understanding about sin and evil and life. And and here's the thing. You, You can go out and you can experience it yourself, and that's how most of us do it. And the result of that is a lot of bad outcomes. You have to go through a lot of pain. You go through a lot of hurt. You go through a lot of heartache. I mean, you, you end up learning from the school of hard knocks. Now, another way to do this is you can watch other people's lives. In other, ways, in other words, you, you can look at another person's life. You can watch them crash and burn, you can learn from them, or you can watch another person succeed in an area of life, and you can learn from them. And that can be helpful to you. But what the psalmist is telling us is the best way to gain wisdom, insight, and understanding is by meditating on God's Word, by making God's Word the soundtrack of my mind for all of my life. In fact, notice what he says in verse 102. Here's what he says. I have not departed from your laws. Now, before we read the following line, I want you to know how powerful this next line can be for your life. In fact, this next line years ago, it completely changed my view about God as my father and my view about scripture. I don't want you to miss what I just said. This next phrase that we're about to look at in Psalms 102 completely changed my view as God as Father and helped me see Scripture as relational instead of rule-driven. See, I grew up in a great home. I had a godly father, and I know that he loved me and he taught me many things, but even though my father was godly, he was anything but perfect. Now, here's what I know. I'm a father, and if my kids could come up on this stage, they would have legal pad after legal pad after legal pad full of things that they've told the counselor of how imperfect I have been and how I really screwed their lives up. Listen, there is no such thing as a perfect parent. No such thing as a perfect parent. And for those young people who are sitting in our rooms this morning, if you're judging your parents because they're imperfect, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, when you become a parent, your kids are going to do the exact same thing to you that you're doing to your kids because there's no such, are you're doing your parents because there's no such thing as a perfect parent. And because that is true, most of our parents do the best they can, but because of the imperfection, all of us experience hurt and wounding. And because of that, there's often this barrier to understanding what God is like. In fact, as a young man, I struggle to see anything about God or the Bible as relational. In my mind, it was all rules, and it was all regulations for life, and I was never good enough. I could never live up to it. I could never achieve. I mean, it was just always another rule that I was breaking, always another just life thing that I wasn't getting right. But then there was this day when I read this passage of Scripture. In Psalm 102, it just jumped off the page into my heart, and I pray it will do for you the same way. And it completely changed my view of God. In scripture. And let me just say something to you this morning. If you are living with a parent wound, and I know every one of you are, we're all living with a father wound. We're all living with a mother wound because none of our parents are perfect. Because your parents were absent. They were emotionally detached. They they weren't there for you. They didn't guide you. Well, whatever caused the wound, you're never good enough. Well, whatever it was, This passage can begin to heal the parent wound in your heart. So I want you to look at the most powerful benefit because here's what I want want you to understand. If you don't fall in love with Jesus through his word, you will never find healing for the parent wounds in your heart. Which is why this is the most powerful benefit of meditating on God's word. Notice this verse again. Here's what he says. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. For you yourself have taught me. Listen, when the psalmist said, for you yourself have taught me, he's referring to God and he's picturing him as a heavenly father who not only died for you, but he lives and dwells inside of you if you're a follower of Jesus. But he's also that nurturing parent that many of you never had. This idea for you yourself have taught me, it's the idea of a dad or a mom who sits down on a chair and they pull their kid up in their lap. And you ever seen that parent pull the book out and they start teaching the kid and they start giving them wisdom and helping them. And there's just this loving, nurturing, they're discovering together. You ever watch that? It's amazing. And that's what the psalmist is saying. He says, I am not being taught by the God out there that I'm not good enough for I'm being taught by the parent who loves me and lives inside of me and experiences everything that I'm experiencing, experiencing the relationships that I'm experiencing, experiencing the circumstances I'm experiencing. this, this, This is a very, very personal and relational nurturing kind of statement. Listen, God is the perfection of parent. He is a perfect father and a perfect mother, a parent that is for you. A parent that is patient, that's filled with grace, has wisdom, insight, and understanding that's eternal beyond anything we can imagine and wants to pull you up into his presence and share that with you. He's a parent who will always be there for you. He will never be absent, who always keeps his promises A parent that with unconditional and perfect love will teach you the wisdom, the insight, and the understanding that you need to do life. And for many of you, God is inviting you to crawl up in his lap every morning and every evening and during the day and say, hey, let me, let me just show you. Let me show you. So the psalmist is saying, listen, you have the opportunity to be taught personally by our heavenly father. And when he teaches you, you're gonna gain wisdom, insight, understanding. You'll be fruitful and you'll be stable. All you have to do is make the commitment to meditate on his word day and night to make that the soundtrack of your life. But here's what I know. For about 95% of you, this whole idea of God teaching you and nurturing you. I mean, this is not your experience. In fact, for some of you, this idea that God wants to teach you through a nurturing kind of way it is so foreign that you can't even really imagine it. So, for just a moment, I want to encourage you to begin to ask God to give you a small glimpse of what the psalmist is trying to say God is like when he says these words. He says, For you, Yourself have taught me. That's huge. See, here's the thing when God begins to teach you through his teaching, he also begins to meet your emotional needs. Your spiritual needs. So some of you, you're like leeches in life. Every relationship you get into, you're leeching from other people because you're so emotionally needy. And then you get angry at those people because they're not meeting your needs. And Jesus said, Hey, let me be your father, let me be your mother, and I'll meet all those needs. So it's my prayer. maybe for the first time in your life, you can imagine waking up tomorrow morning with your perfect heavenly father as your teacher and that he can just pull you up in his lap and he can be that perfect father. He can be that perfect mother to you. And you can begin to imagine being taught by this loving parent every day. It's the power of just meditating on God's word. I mean, don't miss this. When I meditate on God's word, I'm being taught by a good, good father, my heavenly father. See, it's the most powerful benefit of meditating on God's word. I am being taught. I am being nurtured. My soul is being, the needs are being met as I lean into this relationship with him. And here's what I can promise you. When you get against a glimpse of God as the perfection of father, I'm telling you, it's going to change your whole view of God. It's going to change your view of scripture. It's going to set you on a path to be wiser than your enemies, to have more insight than your teachers and more understanding than your elders, because your heavenly father will have personally taken the time to nurture you and teach you every day. And he's willing. You just got to set aside the time. And I'm going to tell you that daily nurture. This is what I discovered in my life, that daily nurturing and teaching is what began the healing process for my heart and my soul for all those parent wounds. And I can tell you from personal experience, it is the best path to finding healing for your heart and soul for any wound in your life. It's the best path for wisdom, insight, and understanding, and living this stable and this resilient and this fruitful life. But for you to begin to experience it, you have to say, as the psalmist David did, God, for you, yourself, are gonna be my teacher. And for that to happen, you have to carve out time every day to let him be your teacher, to let him be your nurturer. It's the only way for his word to become the soundtrack that guides your life. So here's what I'm challenging you to do today. And that is this, commit to set aside time daily to be nurtured and taught by your heavenly father. When is this going to happen this week for you? What time is it going to happen on Monday? What time is it going to happen on Tuesday? It needs to be the first thing you put on your calendar before anything else. And some of you are going, I don't know how to do this. Well, I would encourage you to go to Engage. Week two, which will be December, the second Sunday in December, you need to go because it's going to give you a clear path. We give you a clear path of how to spend time so that you hear your heavenly father speak to you every day. And I want to say, if you're a college student, if you're a high school student, middle school student, you need to begin to do this more than ever, because I'm telling you, it's going to give you wisdom, insight, and understanding. And it's going to save you from so many heartache and heartbreaks because you won't be taking wrong paths like other teenagers and other young adults. And I can tell you as adults, for all of us, spending time being nurtured and taught daily by my heavenly father is so important because I'm not gonna be worrying about God's will for my life. I'm not gonna be worrying about, am I gonna be fruitful? I'm not gonna be worrying about, is my life gonna be stable? because the result of being nurtured and taught by my perfect heavenly father is that I'm going to have insight. I'm going to have wisdom. I'm going to have understanding that I need when I need it. So when you take the time to be taught by your heavenly father, by meditating on his word, he promises. He promises success because you'll be wise beyond your years. And you're going to have his wisdom. You're going to have his insight. You're going to have his understanding. And you're going to make right decisions and right choices and you're going to deal with things in a way that is so powerful because it won't derail you because you're fruitful and you're not worried about whether you'll be fruitful. When you're stable, you'll be able to face, face those most difficult moments, those difficult seasons of life, and only have words of thanksgiving and adoration and praise that flow from your heart and your soul because you will have been taught by your heavenly father. His soundtracks will have been the thing that is personally taught you. So today, as we close out our service, I I just want to give all of you time to commit to spending time to saying, God, I'm going to commit. I'm going to get to a place where I can say, God, I'm committing to set aside time daily to be nurtured and taught by you as my heavenly father. He's the perfect father. And here's the thing, because he's our father, we're his sons and daughters. And he wants to express his love to you daily by teaching you And he wants to meet all those emotional and spiritual needs in your life that you're demanding other people meet, but they don't have the capacity for. And it's destroying your relationship with God, and it's destroying your relationship with all those people that you're demanding to try to meet your needs. And your heavenly father is saying, will you just come to me? Because we are the sons and we're the daughters of God. And we're going to close with a song that says, his heart is good. He's always kind. With the cross, he proved he's on our side. And one of the ways that God expresses his love to us is by personally teaching us and nurturing us if we just allow him to. Let me close in prayer. And then the bands on all of our campuses are gonna come out and lead us in that song. We're the sons and daughters of God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this incredible opportunity. to just pause at the beginning of this week and realize we have this amazing opportunity as your son, as your daughter, to be taught by you, to give us wisdom, insight, and understanding, to have our emotional and mental and spiritual and relational needs met at such a deep level that we're stable. We're not depending on other people to make us stable. And we're fruitful because we're connected to you and we're not manipulating or trying to use other people or things or situations or circumstances to make ourselves fruitful. But I thank you that it's all available through you. So may we make the commitment. May this be a defining moment where we say, I'm not going to leave my house in the morning. I'm not going to close my eyes before I go to bed until I have been taught by my heavenly father. It'll be daily in my life, be the most important thing. I pray that'll be our commitment in Jesus name. Amen.